Hi, my name is Dr. Rachel Gooding. I'm a clinical assistant professor at ECU Brody School of Medicine in the Department of Psychiatry and the Department of Internal Medicine. And I'm joined today with Dr. Max Miller. Thank you, Dr. Gooding. And I'm a internal medicine and psychiatry resident here at ECU Brody School of Medicine. And today we'll be talking about benzodiazepines. And this is a really important topic because the number of benzodiazepines that have been prescribed is rising, as is the dosage, and as are the overdoses. So today we're going to be doing part one of our benzodiazepine talk. So to start off with, though, Dr. Miller, can you tell me a little bit more about the history of benzodiazepines? Certainly, and that was very well said, Dr. Gooding. With regard to the history, chlorodiazepoxide was the first benzodiazepine that was developed by a chemist, Leo Sternbach, in 1955. In 1960, the FDA approved the first benzodiazepine, chlorodiazepoxide, and it was sold under the brand name Librium, which it is today. In 1958, Hoffman LaRoche patented another benzodiazepine called diazepam, uh, and this received FDA approval in 1963. Lorazepam was developed by D.J. Richards, and it received FDA approval in 1977. Alprazolam was initially discovered as a muscle relaxant, as well as a sleep aid by Dr. David Sheehan and Upjohn Corporation. Alprazolam received FDA approval in 1981. In 1995, manufacturing rights of Alprazolam was bought by Pfizer, whom is the current manufacturer. Clonazepam had been patented in 1960, but did not receive FDA approval until 1997. Okay, so it sounds like over the years there's been several benzodiazepines that have come on the market. I know that's not even all of them, but lorazepam, alprazolam, clonazepam, chlordiazepoxide is kind of the ugly stepsister with a very different sounding name, but those are kind of the, f the four main ones we're going to be talking about today. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. So how exactly do they work? That's a good question. So prior to discussing the mechanism of action for benzodiazepines that we're discussing today, uh, it's first necessary to review the GABA-A receptor structure and function. So the GABA-A receptor is a pentameric protein which forms a chloride ion channel as well as ligands for benzodiazepine binding. Benzodiazepine binding of the ligand binding site causes a positive allosteric effect and in turn increases the affinity of the GABA-A receptor for the GABA molecule and in turn chloride channel opening. The major effect produced by the series of steps which have been described is an inhibitory effect and decreased neuronal firing. So these medications bind the ligand described earlier and in turn open the chloride channel and cause the inhibitory effect that's just been described. 
and this is supposed to have a calming or you know similar effect and decrease the neuronal firing. Okay. But overall, benzodiazepines really need to be thinking about the GABA receptor. That's really what it's targeting. Exactly. And of those main benzodiazepines we mentioned earlier, are there any, I know there's major differences in the pharmacokinetics because I know some of them are uh, long-acting, short-acting, some of them come on real quick, some of them give us slow, steady improvement in anxiety. Can you tell me a little bit more about the specifics of how each one work and how they're different? Absolutely. So the way that I like to think about benzodiazepines and the reason why, in addition to the these being commonly prescribed, it's kind of a, it's good to keep them uh, stored in your mind as far as uh, how long they act, and like Dr. Gooding was just talking about. So to discuss that a little bit further, the dosage of benzodiazepine will vary depending on the patient and his or her history of sedative use. Although they're similar in many ways, the choice of the agent is often based on its pharmacokinetic properties, especially onset of action, half-life, and the metabolic pathway that they're, you know, processed through in the body. So here, as I said, we're going to discuss some of the more common ones that are seen in everyday practice as far as the benzodiazepine and, and which one you choose to use. Alprazolam is the first one that we'll discuss. It has a half-life of 6 to 12 hours. It's speed of onset is 30 minutes. Its dose equivalence is 0.5. The typical daily dose is 0.5 to 3 milligrams over 24 hours. It's thought of as being the most addictive, and it's available as a tablet in both an extended release and immediate release formulation in addition to an oral dissolving tablet and a liquid. Lorazepam, the second benzodiazepine we'll discuss, has a half-life of 10 to 20 hours, a speed of onset, which is 60 minutes. Its dose equivalence is 1. Its total daily dose is typically 0.5 to 3 milligrams per day. It's good for as-needed use, and it's available as a tablet and a liquid. Clonazepam, half-life is 20 to 50 hours. Its speed of onset is 1 to 4 hours. Its dose equivalence is 0.25 and the typical daily dose is, again, 0.5 to 3 milligrams per 24 hours. It's the least addictive, but most potent and most sedating. And it's available as a tablet and an oral dissolving tablet as well. Diazepam has a half-life of 20 to 100 hours. Its speed of onset is 60 minutes. Its dose equivalence is 5. And daily dose is typically 5 to 20 milligrams per day. It's also very addictive, and it's available as a tablet and a liquid. Lastly, chlorodiazepoxide has a half-life of 24 to 48 hours, a speed of onset of 1 to 2 hours. Dose equivalence is 10. The total daily dose is typically 5 to 75 milligrams per day, and it has a slower onset of action compared to others that we've discussed uh, for achieving therapeutic benefits, and it's available as a capsule. So wide range in the onset and also how long they last. Diazepam, I think I forgot to say that one earlier. Um, and diazepam, as in addition to anxiety, I know it can be used for other things such as uh, muscle relaxation and muscle spasms. And then you, of course, the last one, chlordiazepoxide, I always think of that mostly in alcohol withdrawal. So 
what exactly are these benzodiazepines, each of them, actually FDA approved for? That's a good question, Dr. Gooding. So we'll start with alprazolam. Alprazolam is indicated for generalized anxiety disorder as an immediate release tablet, and then panic disorder as an immediate release and extended release. Clonazepam is indicated for panic disorder and various seizure disorders. Diazepam is indicated for anxiety disorders. It's also indicated for symptoms of anxiety when being used for short-term relief. It's also used in acute delirium tremens and hallucinosis in acute alcohol withdrawal. And as you were talking about, it can be used for skeletal muscle spasms due to reflex uh, spasms that are from local pathologies. You can also use it for spasticity caused by upper motor neuron disorders and then in stiff person syndrome, as well as convulsive disorders, but only as an adjunctive therapy. Chlorodiaz epoxide, I similarly think of this as uh, something that would be good for alcohol withdrawal, but it can also be used in anxiety disorders. Um, and then if somebody's having symptoms of anxiety or preoperative apprehension and anxiety, it can be used in those cases as well. Lorazepam can be used in anxiety disorders as an oral medication, and then it can be used in anxiety associated with depressive symptoms or as the initial treatment of status epilepticus when used as an injection. It can be used as a pre-anesthetic as well uh, when delivered in its injection form. So it sounds like anxiety pretty much across the board. And I think that's what most people think of benzodiazepines as being for, is they help with anxiety and panic. Um, But also, there's a lot of other things that it can be used for as well. So if we prescribe a patient one of these medications, how is it going to be eliminated from their body? So the metabolism of lorazepam is different than the other benzodiazepines. It is metabolized in the liver by a process called glucuronidation. Now, I chose lorazepam to discuss first because this is in line with a fancy mnemonic that people, uh, a lot of people I'm sure are aware of, um, but it's useful because it's lorazepam, oxazepam, and temazepam, two of those we didn't discuss, but we also don't use them too often. But those three benzodiazepines are metabolized, it's thought of as other than liver, because they use glucuronidation. Now, your other uh, benzodiazepines, such as clonazepam, alprazolam, diazepam, chlorodiaz epoxide, those are all metabolized by the hepatic CYP450 enzymes. So you would need intact uh, liver function to be able to break down those particular benzodiazepines. Yeah, I remember in med school learning about the lot mnemonic and lorazepam, oxazepam, uh, temazepam if the patient has the liver issues. And yeah, I guess oxazepam, we don't really see that much. Temazepam, I still see it sometimes for sleep, but you're right, it does seem like those two are definitely not as popular or as widely prescribed nowadays as the ones that we're focusing on today. So kind of the big issue with these medications What are the main side effects from benzodiazepines? So some side effects to consider when prescribing benzodiazepines include central nervous system and respiratory depression, 
uh, and both of which are dose-dependent. Some other adverse effects include, but not limited to, uh, withdrawal seizures, uh, suicidality has been reported, and then dependency and abuse. Uh, there's some other list of, the list of uh, side effects is quite long, but tachycardia, hypotension, syncope, um, and then a paradoxical reaction including hyperactive and aggressive behavior has been reported. And then obviously, and this kind of ties into the seizures, but withdrawal symptoms, if you abruptly stop uh, benzodiazepines, you, you may develop seizures. So withdrawal seizures from benzodiazepines usually occurs in patients with long-term use at high doses. Although cases have been reported in patients prescribed benzodiazepines for less than 15 days as well, it's typically thought of that patients who are on benzodiazepines for over 15 days or much longer in, in most of these cases, that there should be a taper before stopping. And then benzodiazepine overdose uh, which commonly, you know, is associated with respiratory and CNS depression, has been a growing public health concern with benzodiazepine-related overdoses increasing by more than 400% between 1996 to 2013. And emergency room visits have increased by more than 300% between 2004 through 2011 for benzodiazepines. Yeah, my main job is doing consults in the emergency room as well as the medical floor. And I know you've rotated with me, and we've certainly seen several benzodiazepine overdoses, as well as the withdrawal seizures. That benzodiazepines are basically alcohol in a pill form. They act very similarly. So just like you withdraw from alcohol, you withdraw from the benzodiazepine, and you can treat both with benzodiazepines. All right. Well, thank you for discussing this with me, Dr. Miller. Thank you, Dr. Gooding. That wraps up part one of our talk on benzodiazepines. And if you enjoyed that, please join us for part two, which will be coming out next week.